Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Yeah, all right. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, whew, man, we had a wild first service. It's, it's hard to do it twice sometimes, but uh, God has a way, and we're going to let him do what he does best, okay? Uh, I am glad that all of you are here. Thank you so much for coming, and welcome to everybody that's watching online. Do you ever feel like you don't want to come to church? You don't feel good physically, mentally, spiritually? You feel like, what's the point? You ever feel just like quitting or giving up, or you feel like, man, what's nothing's happening, God's not moving, you're uninspired, and you're like, just go through the motions. You ever feel like, you know, you just go through, thanks, thanks. I, I know I feel that way. In fact, I felt that way the, today. I know that may surprise some of you, but yeah, I feel that way at times. And I know that some of you think I live full-time on the mountain in the fire glory cloud, but I don't. I live in the valley a lot. But I know what it's like to step into the mountain. And because I have had God show up so many times in my life, I've had these encounters and experiences over my entire life that have shaped me. In fact, I've been shaped most of the time when I'm the most broken and I just don't think God's moving or I don't wanna be here or I didn't wanna go and I didn't wanna worship. And I just many times do go through the motions. I don't want to. I don't want you to. The last thing I want you to do is put on a fake smile and pretend everything's good when it's not. I'd rather you feel forsaken and walk in here. I'd rather you just cry the whole time and be broken before God than come in here thinking you have it all figured out. I learned this odd thing with the Lord that there's so many times I went when I didn't want to go. In fact, if, you know, if I only went to church or worshiped when I felt like it, You can just take out half my Christian life. How many times God showed up when I least expected? I would love to tell you that, man, I'm just so spiritual. I, I came in expecting God, and I came in just believing that God was going to come like a freight train. And yeah, I've had those, a lot of those times because I've had so many of the other times where God did it. But I didn't want to come today. You want me to be honest or you want me to lie? I didn't feel good. I don't know what it is. It's not anything, it's one thing. My life's not a train wreck. I just physically have not felt good. It seems like the turn of this year, I've been completely uninspired. We've fought through massive amounts of COVID. I've got people hurting and broken and lying and marriages seeming to fall apart. And, you know, you're, you're constantly on the front lines of trying to rescue people and rescue people and rescue people and kids and family and jobs and work and money and responsibility and pull, 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 pull. And you just feel like empty. Those times that I just have learned over all the years, 28 years of walking with the Lord, that 
God tends to do what I don't expect. God tends to show up in a way I didn't think he would show up. God tends to touch me when I didn't think he would touch me. God touched me when I feel like a failure. When you feel like you have nothing to give and you're worthless. You don't fit in. Angry and hurting and broken. You go through the motions and... But I, I'm not faking it. I don't want to fake it till I make it. But I learned something about showing up because I did it for... I've done it for 28 years. Church services after church services after church services and 10 years at one church with three Sunday services every week and a Wednesday night and giving and giving and playing and countless, countless hours of being in church. And with those countless hours came countless times of feeling what, what's the point and feeling like, why am I here? And it's just another service. But more often than not in those times when I least expected it, God showed up. And God showed up in a, in a way that just broke me because that's what he really wants. God wants, God wants our brokenness. God doesn't want you pretending and faking it. I'd rather you come in here jacked up and messed up and just come and say, man, I just feel terrible and I barely drug myself in today. But when you barely drug yourself in today, God showed up. And it's not like, oh, I'm not gonna pretend, man, I walked into the house of God and woo! No, about 20, 30 minutes into worship, just as it was about to end, I start breaking. That's why I have issues with the clock. You can't box God in. God's outside of time and space. I just want God to show up. We don't need more good meetings and let's do our worship and our preaching and got to hurry up and get to the kids and I got to hurry up and get to my nap and I got to hurry up and get to whatever else on my agenda. And my agendas mess up what God wants to do because God wants us without an agenda. He's got to be our agenda. It's like marriage. You can't micromanage your spouse. You can't agenda your family. So many times, my default is business agenda. And my wife calls me out on it. It's like, this isn't a business meeting, she'll say. I'm like, oh, crap. She's like, don't agenda. If you have an agenda, I don't want to talk. I've said this quite a bit lately because I have to remind my own self that God speaks all the love languages equally, especially physical touch. Who wants to be in a marriage without physical touch? Anybody? Who would like to be in a relationship where there's no physical touch? And we, we come and we don't long and hunger because we just think it's not going to happen. And then God does it. It's incredible to me how much he loves us. 
It's incredible to me how he knows what you need when you need it the most. And even in your screwed up, messed up life and belief system, God showed up. Because you don't, you don't get to earn it. You don't get to deserve it. And then he'll show up on somebody you really didn't like. And then you'll be mad. Because he did it to them, but he didn't do it to you the way you thought you should. I've done marriage. It seems like I'm doing more marriage counseling and premarital stuff than ever before. And, you know, I've done, I've married so many couples and I can't tell you how many times in the engagement process, the couple comes in and man, they are in love. They, they got rose colored glasses on. They got their steroid injection shot from God. They're testosterone driven. (laughs) Cards, flowers, dates, romance. And then five years later, they're sitting back in my office at one end of the couch, looking the other direction. Scouring at each other and mad and upset. I don't love that person anymore, pastor. I don't feel in love anymore. I've fallen out of love. Yeah, you know, not long ago, my, my daughter asked me why they call a honeymoon a honeymoon. And I said, I don't know. I really didn't actually really know the answer to that. I said, let's look it up. So we looked up honeymoon. The original term of the word honeymoon was coined with the mindset that love will wane like the moon wanes away. Uh, we see it as, you know, going for the gold after the marriage. It's like the icing on the cake. It's like the celebration. And yeah, that's what we've made it. But the original term was this mindset that love has a tendency to wane. It's a honeymoon like the moon. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. That's why you have to understand love is an action. Love is a verb. I don't think my wife and I really actually overly thought through the uh, song after we were pronounced husband and wife and made our exit out. Boston's more than a feeling. Man, little did we know. It's the actions of love that produce the feelings of love. But this is the thing. God always shows the actions of love. God always shows the actions of love. When you feel forsaken, you're not. God never stops. Ever. All day, the Bible says all day long, he stretches out his arm. We just don't see it. So our eyes are on other lovers. Our eyes are on the media. Our eyes are on YouTube. Our eyes are on Facebook and Instagram. And our eyes are on the problems of this world. And our eyes are on our spouse. And we want our spouse to meet all of our needs. And when our spouse doesn't do what we think a spouse should do, we're angry and we respond negatively and we reject them as they're rejecting us. And next thing you know, we're pitted against each other instead of loving and propelling and being a strength to one another. We're now mad and angry at them. And that's why the typical rule of thumb is if you're looking for a wife or you are married to someone, they should be about 60 to 80% of what you need, but they'll never be 100% of what you need. 
Only the Lord can be 100%. And then that other person comes along that has the 20 to 30% that you don't have, but it looks like 100%. And then in a night, in a moment, you forsake it all for that one little thing you think is greener on the other side of the fence. And it's not because it's better to have the 60 to 80 than the 20 to the 30, but you better get all your needs met from God or affairs, lust, cheating, anger, rejection, and rebellion and witchcraft will creep into your home and your heart. This is the one thing you really want that your spouse isn't providing for you. All it takes is that other person that's hot and cute in a moment of weakness and your eyes are off the Lord. And next thing you know, bam, you fell because you thought that that person was, was the grass is greener on the other side. And it's, it never works like that. That 60 to 80% is love and loyalty, care, standing by your side, when it's hard. It's what I love about my wife. I, I, one thing I know about my wife, no matter how upset we get with each other, she's loyal. When she makes a commitment, she means it. And we were back and forth for five years and in the first couple of years of our marriage when we would get into arguments or disagreements, we would say to each other, I think you married the wrong person. Or maybe you, you would have been better with somebody else. And you know, I, I may not have said it all the times that I thought it. And then the Lord showed me perfect love never leaves or forsakes. And by saying those things, I always broke covenant by my words that I would not stand with her no matter what we went through. And I had to make the commitment and tell her we have to stop saying this to each other. There's no one better. God put us together. Little did we know the storms that we would go through in life together. But I understand that we made a covenant and you see God made a covenant. He made a covenant even better than any covenant really a man could make. We break covenants all the time. We're all covenant breakers. Man, pastor, you're being so tough. Look, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. The minute you think your heart's not is the minute you think you're better than somebody else. And let me tell you something. There's no one that needs Jesus less than you. The gay couple walks in here, they don't need Jesus more than you do. If a transgender walks in here, they don't need Jesus more than you do. The minute you stop being desperate, the minute you stop realizing you need him as much as anybody, you start snubbing your nose and you stuck up Christians and self-righteous Christians. You rob what God wants to do because those people that are lost and hurting without perfect love that call their love, that call their lust love and don't understand agape love and don't understand the genuine care and compassion of God's perfect love where there's an absence of complete fear. When they walk in here, if they don't experience that, they will not stay. I have to stay desperate no matter what it takes, but I need God to show up. I need God to show up. You need God to show up. 
And there's this crazy, weird thing of, you know, you don't have to ask God to come. He's already in you. Yeah, that's a half truth. I need both. That's why you have to understand the difference between transcendence and imminence. It it bothers me when we're in a drought and clouds form and the thunderstorm, it's a weird thing here in Flower Bluff. It can come right around my house. (laughs) Maybe all the corpus is like that. It's like, there's the rain finally. And it just goes right around your house that direction, (laughs) right? I don't need passing thunderstorms. I need to get wet. When, the thun- when you get in the sh- rain, the transcendent storm becomes the imminent wetness. When you're soaking wet, it's imminent. But until it gets on you, it's just transcendent. You need both. I think of, I used this analogy last service and I'm gonna use it again, probably because I really want one right now. My favorite drink at my own coffee shop now these days, it's always been a macchiato, which I love a macchiato, but it's really one of my most, if it's done just right, is an Americano. And so we're gonna talk about an Americano right now. See, the perfect Americano is six ounces of hot water but let it cool a little bit. If it's scalding hot, the the overheated water actually will take away from some of the flavors of the espresso because it's too hot. When you pour that six ounces of water, the best way to make an Americano is to put it up underneath the group head and pull the perfect shot that drips and goops slowly, dark chocolatey espresso coming out of the group head, falling onto the top of the water, not in a glass where you pour it because you'll lose oils in the glass. You want it to go straight into the cup. And as that espresso pours into the hot water, the, the crema floats on the top and it's a dark chocolatey crema macchiato, I'm sorry, Americano. And you, over time, what happens is if you let it sit a little bit, all of those oils will all begin to seep into the water and make the perfect Americano. It was transcendent until it became imminent. And then it's transcendent until you drink it. And when it gets in you, it becomes imminent. Now, maybe some of you don't understand these words, imminent and transcendent, but I'm going to tell it to you. I got all your attention now. You're all going to run over to the coffee shop after this, right? Some of you are like, I'm going now. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Let me define imminence for you. Imminence means that it exists and operates within. It means that it's fully present and active. It means that it's physical and fully accessible. That's the imminent presence of God. When you get born again, he puts all of himself inside of you and changes you from the inside out. You can't behavior modify it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You weren't worthy enough. It's because God loves you and he loves you and he loves you and he loves you and he keeps loving you and he keeps loving us. But transcendence is this understanding that he is wholly independent of the material and physical world. He's outside, he's not ruled by the laws of time and space. 
He's not ruled by the laws of time and space. You can't contain him. And yes, okay, he's in me, but I really need him to come on me again. And many times it's me just coming alive in his presence. It's like coming, he's coming up out of me, but there's times where he comes on me. And when he comes on me and touches me, it does something to me. Usually the first thing it does is it breaks me and I begin to weep. I've had people tell me, the I, don't, I, I can't come to church because all I ever do is cry. I'm like, no, that's exactly where you need to be. And cry, 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 cry. I don't care if you come up to the altar every single time and cry, cry, cry. I don't care if you come tell me the same thing every week and cry, cry, cry. Because those tears bring healing and brokenness and acceptance and positions you for what God really wants to do because everything outside of that is dried up hearts and dried up emotions and nothing moves you and nothing gets you and we go through the motions of church and we halfway worship and we want a good word and deliver us a good word and we walk out of here with the moment of inspiration but we're not transformed by the presence and power of God and I don't want pretty church like that. I don't want that. That's not why we built this. I'm not trying to be the 800 other churches in town. I'm not trying to be any other church in town. So many things happen when God shows up. God showed up for you a few weeks back. And when you got touched, I got touched. I haven't ever forgot it. Just your smile. You didn't smile for so long in here. When God shows up, we're changed in an instant. When God shows up, we're forgiven in an instant. When God shows up, we go from poor to rich. We, we go from have-nots to having more than enough. When God shows up, we receive a new spirit and we find healing for our souls and physical strength for our bodies. Boy, do I need that. Seems like once I turned 50, it's like, man, I never had to wrestle so much with aches and headaches and breathing and body stuff. I'm like, and I work out and eat healthy and take supplements. I'm pretty aggressive with my health. And I still wish I could feel like I felt in my 20s. Is anybody with me? I'm like, thank you. All the other millennials are like, huh, I don't know what you're talking about. When God shows up, we see things and hear things and speak things differently. When God shows up, most importantly, we love differently. Can I tell you how many times People come to me with hurts and pains and brokenness and text me and message me on Messenger and hearts are hurting and people are broken. And I so desperately want to give you all of the right advice. And I so desperately want to tell you exactly what to do. And God says, no, point them to me. Because if I rescue you out of the fire, 
or out of the frying pan and you don't get a word from the Lord about your situation, you'll just behavior modify yourself until the next situation comes. That's why you can't live Sunday to Sunday. That's why you have to press in, especially when it's hard, when you don't feel like it, when you're tired and your body hurts and everything's coming and temptation is just ramming you night and day and tempted and tempted and tempted. I wish I could tell you I was immune to temptation, but I'm not. But temptation comes crashing at your door over and the storms beat, beat, beat. It beats on everybody's house. It beats on the rock house and it beats on the sand house. I'm not immune to it. I just learned how to respond to it and dig a little deeper so that my my peers are on the rock and you can't move my house. You could burn it down. A wind, a storm could blow it over in the natural, but my house will still stand. You're not moved by your physical circumstances. And when you do, you keep running to the Lord and you keep showing up and you keep dragging yourselves like you put those headphones on and you get some worship on and you go for a walk and you cry out to the Lord and you be broken before him. And even when you don't feel it, you keep doing it over and 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 over again. And when you least expect it, God shows up and in a moment, in an instant, you're transformed. need God to show up. We need the transcendent presence of God to physically touch you right now. You need a physical touch. Yeah, yeah. We settle for less than. I don't need a physical touch. I'm all right. Just need a good word. I need some nice worship and let's get on the way. Let's live our nice Christian lifestyles and we don't have encounters and experiences and we're uninspired and we don't do anything to get it. We just hope that God's gonna do it. And God says, no, come to me, pursue me, desire me, show up one more time, put those headphones on, get into the secret place one more time. I can't tell you how many times God messes up my agenda and my schedule. So many times he's like, no, I wanna meet with you. I'm like, yeah, but Lord, you don't understand. These people have been waiting for three months to get time with me and they're on the calendar and they're on the screen. He's like, yeah, I need to be with you right now. Because you can get counsel from my soul or you can get counsel from the Lord. What's it gonna be? If you take counsel from your own soul, you will be depressed. But when you take counsel with the Lord, you'll be strengthened. So many times, that's the thing about the drive to Port Aransas, 17 miles on a barrier island with multiple exits to the beach. That's only about a quarter of a mile away. I drive to meetings. So I have a coffee shop out there. I don't go out there much now, but back in the day when I'd made the drive every day, and it happens now too. It's like driving to something, a meeting, because God's like, Pull over, I want to meet with you. At beach Access Road 1. Pull over on Beach Access Road 2. But Lord, I got this agenda and this meeting. That's the great thing about that drive is there's so many roads to get off. Eventually, God gets you by the fourth or fifth one. <laughs> See, God's completely independent of time and space. You, he's not controlled by the laws of man or the universe. He's not the universe either, by the way. You don't need, just need the universe in you. That's a new age deceptive lie, the power of the universe. 
We see, we watch these videos. Oh, I just need the universe. And the, oh man, it's universal and the power of the universe. And the, you know, they might like claim to the creator, but he's the universe. Like he's not, he created the universe. The Bible talks about that. Romans one and two, worshiping the created things instead of the creator. You see, God's omnipresent. You know what omnipresent means? It means he's everywhere all the time. A really great word for that is ubiquity. The word ubiquity. It literally means he's everywhere all the time. And another part of this definition is that he's common. The problem is, like I shared last week, we're in a time between a time. Jesus came as a servant, was crucified on the cross, resurrected as the king. He was the king, but he came as a lowly servant, died, resurrected. Now he is the king of kings. He laid that down for a moment and then he resurrected and now he lives as a king. But not everybody sees the king. One day everybody will see the king, but not everybody sees the king. But that's the thing about the Lord is that God actually has made himself known to everyone, everywhere. He's, he's ubiquitous. He's, he has revealed himself by the creation of what he's made. Nobody is without excuse. Nobody is without excuse. The agnostic says God just spun the world like a top. Storms, hurricanes, earthquakes. Uh, he gave man maybe the Bible and they should just figure it out. And God is not imminent. God doesn't come and dwell with a man. God doesn't do the miraculous. God doesn't show himself strong. You have to figure it out. He may or he may not. It's a deceptive lie. I believe God is ever present all times, everywhere. And he loves me way more than I know. And he's actually showing himself to me about probably a hundred times more than I see it in every day. Because I don't see it. I'm looking at all the wrong things. Romans 1.20. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. I like this. Facts don't care about your feelings. People are fake woke. And yeah, I've watched Tom McDonald about a thousand times in the last several days because he is, he's got the message. Some of you don't know who he is, but I'm telling you, he is not playing around with what he's doing to the hip hop industry and music and the message. It's true. And a whole new generation is going to be really woke because at some point you're going to realize the facts don't care about your feelings and you've been sold a lie everywhere, especially by the media. I don't have to be popular. People aren't going to like what I say. I said something last week about public school systems and you being the parent and it, they posted a little uh, reel and people are like cringing and oh, because you don't want to teach your kids science and whatever. They don't know me. You don't know me. I mean, really. Don't, you, you don't know my heart. I don't want to live in a utopia society where I keep my kids back from infecting the world. I just want them to be ready when they go. And they're six and eight. I just want you to be the parents. I want you to be your kid's mom and your kid's dad. I want you to train them more than the world trains them. Eight hours a day with 
people that don't know Jesus, they're not ready for that. And if, they're, if, if that's what you got to do, then you got to be extra aggressive with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, five o'clock, didn't see you all day. Here's your iPad. I need some down chill time. From the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and what? You got the scriptures coming up for me? It's Romans 1.20. God's nature has been made visible, such as his eternal power and what? His transcendence. God constantly, out of time and space, showing up. God's the God of the show up. God always shows up and shows out. The deceptive lie of religion is to keep you a nice Christian. You don't have encounters. You don't get shook up. You don't get messed up. You don't prophesy. You don't pray in tongues. You don't cast out demons. You don't witness because if I'm not feeling good and I got bad headaches and I'm off my, it's way past my morning coffee and I go to the grocery store and it's, I'm not feeling good and it's all about me. Guess what I'm not going to do? witness to somebody else. Now I've learned a long time ago after a thousand times of God dealing with me on that, that those are the best times to witness because I really don't feel like doing it. And God says, that's when I can do it. When you come to the place where it's like, man, I don't feel it. You got to stop being moved by your feelings. Your feelings are deceptive. I'm not mad at you at all. I love you. I'm mad at the spirit of this age. I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at the lies. I'm mad at my flesh. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. You're without excuse. That doesn't mean God doesn't care and there's grace and mercy and compassion, but we're without excuse because God's always, always wanting to reveal himself. He's clearly seen, the Bible says. Clearly seen. The stars, the, all of his creation, the beauty of the things you love. And I've said this many times before. That's why people tell me, I don't need church. My church is on the beach. My church is surfing. My church is fishing. And I'm like, that is a deceptive lie. Because you and I need each other and the body without parts, you can't say, I have no need of you. The hand can't say that I, I don't need you. You need that too. You need fishing and surfing and you need hunting and you need to be in places like that because you can experience God uniquely there. But I experience God uniquely here different than there. I need both. It's not one or the other. The problem is, is they don't want to be around people that are jacked up. And the minute, you know, people tell us, I've had people say this, like, man, I didn't come because I was hurting and broken. My marriage was falling apart and I fell back into drugs and I didn't want to come there and be around all those perfect people. I'm like, man, you are in an illusion. It's not one person in here that's perfect. It's not one person in here that has it all together. Let the broken come. Let the hurting come. Let the weak say, I am strong. And let them sit right next to you. I get it. 
come out of the world, they're, they're dropping F-bombs with their kids all the time and they put their little Johnny right next to your kids in the classroom. <laughs> and he's just dropping F-bombs at six. Just prepare your kids now. Transgender walks in, sits right next to you. Maybe a gay couple walks in and they're, and you're like, oh, I hate that. Yeah, but God loves them too. And they need Jesus desperately. And either, here's the thing. When you create the right culture and the right atmosphere, one of two things will happen. They will either get flamed on with love and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does best. Because your job is to catch fish, not clean them too. Let the Holy Spirit cull the wheat and the tares. There's a whole parable about that. Good fish, bad fish. The angels will separate the bad fish. Wheat, tares, let them grow together. Oh, he's like, no, I'm going to isolate myself from the world. We get so skewed. Too much TV. Too much media, hypocritical love. I call it deception perception. It's like you're deceived by what you're perceiving. We should see God's eternal power and transcendence, but the devil's a liar. And the devil works on overtime to blind our vision so that we can't see his glorious light and so that it doesn't shine inside me so it keeps me in darkness. Because when I'm in darkness, I believe the lies and then I stay away from you. When the truth is, is I need you. You don't know how many times I have walked out of that house and saying, man, I would much rather stay home today. Countless times. You know how many times I drug myself to something I didn't want to go to and God showed up? I don't feel good. I don't know what's been going on with the breathing. Yes, pray for me. <clears throat> it's like, and I'm mad. I, I trust God. I believe in the blood. I've got prayer. I have faith. And in the midst of it, I realize in my weakness, the strength made perfect. And I trust the blood and I trust the cross and I contend and I fight and I do everything I'm supposed to do in the natural and in the spirit. And yeah, I get down. But I get back up again. And I run. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Here's some great examples of God's transcendence. God's showing up, Psalm 139, seven. If you make your bed in hell, where can you go from the presence of God? If you fly on the wings of the morning over the depths of the sea, it doesn't matter where you go. Where can you go? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. But yet we believe the deceptive lies that God has left you. And God's not there when you feel forsaken because you're not actually really forsaken. But Jesus understood that when he was on the cross and he said, Father, yes. why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Because he had to feel what it felt like to feel what you felt like when you felt forsaken. 
He has compassion. He's sympathetic so that you can now come boldly. But, but so many times we drug ourselves there. In fact, so many times, nobody, we didn't even go to the throne for the deceptive lies that God wouldn't take. But he said, come that you might find mercy. Mercy's different than grace. It's the throne of grace because he empowers you, but it's mercy. Yeah, yeah. You need mercy. Yes. You don't deserve it. Right. You can't earn it. You're messed up and the devil's showing your report card to you every day. It has a big fat F on it. Big fat F. And it says failure, failure. You don't pray enough. You don't worship enough. God didn't really say. God doesn't really care about you. He's not going to do anything. You are nothing but a failure. And I'm here to tell you that's a deceptive lie because I see a big A. You know what that A stands for? It stands for accepted. Some of you are staring at that report card. I saw it in a vision for service. Big fat F. You may fail, but you're not a failure. And in fact, it's in the failing that you find the overcoming. Never forget that. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding everything, the good and the evil. Second Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, always searching, always looking. What's he looking for? Loyal hearts. That's the thing that I love so much about Amber is I know she's loyal and I want to be loyal to her no matter what it's like, what it takes, what we face, no matter how hard it is. I set my face as flint and I say, you know what? We're going to go through this trench. How can I love better? How can I lead better? And it's a fight a lot of times, but you know what? It's a dying process of becoming more like Jesus. He's looking for you. Loyal hearts. Loyal hearts is unpretentious. Loyal hearts isn't being fake. Are you screwed up? Welcome back. God always wants to show up and show out always. Psalm 91.1 is my, probably in the context of Imminence and transcendence, this is the scripture. If you dwell imminently with the Lord, he will continue to transcend over you everywhere you go. What I do in the private is revealed in the public. So he says, dwell with me consistently and I'll always overshadow you. So the dwell is the imminence and the shadow is the transcendence. God wants to go with you in everything that you do. And he'll go with you even into the darkness. He'll go with you even into the sin. There's a nice deceptive lie that needs to be broken. What is, what is he? He's not schizophrenic. It's not, oh man, I, I, I loved you till you did that. I was with you till you did that. But when you did that, I had to leave you yeah. and forsake you. Mm-hmm. Oh man, have I learned that lesson over and over and over again. It, it, that lesson turned into be my favorite thing about the Lord is how could I be such a donkey and he still keep loving me? How could I have done that thing and he came right back after me? I don't understand. It's love beyond anything we could ever see or know on this earth. 
I really like this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, when the Holy Spirit manifests himself, it profits everybody. We all profit. Everybody profits. Everyone. We just need God to show up. The transgender will get lit up by God. The people living in darkness and sin will see a great light. One glimpse, one moment, one breath changes everything. The word, bring that scripture back up. I really like this word manifestation. I, I like this word because this, this word in this context means exhibit. It's an exhibition. Some people don't like exhibitions. They're like, send the thunderstorm on by. I don't want to get wet. But it says, no, I want to soak you. Exhibitions like, we don't have a Costco here, but it's like a, going to a Costco or what Sam's used to do. It's like when you walk in and there's the pot and pan guy or there's the knife guy. And I already know I need to walk the other way or I'm going to spend $500 on pots and pans I don't need. Am I right? It's like, I don't, I go to the, like the one, the worst was the bamboo pillow guy because I'm about pillows. I'm like, those bamboo pillows to me were like heavenly clouds, $150 or whatever they were. And I'm in, I'm so glad I resisted that pillow. I'm not saying they weren't great, but the, the point is, is that like that, there's several stories in that. One is God wants to exhibit himself and give you gifts of the spirit and mess you up and rock you, but we turn the other way because we won't buy into it. He's always exhibiting. He's like the pot and pan guy, but better. And man, you listen to that demonstration. You're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing ever better than this. If he's a good exhibitioner. God wants to show up and show out. He wants to demonstrate himself. And in many ways, he demonstrates himself by coming out of you and using you. But in many other ways, God demonstrates himself by coming on you. How about this one? Psalm 22, three, God inhabits the praises of his people. Basically, God sets up a throne when his people come together to worship and praise him. That's why praise in a corporate context is so important because when I'm together with you, I get something different than what I get when I'm alone. When I come in with your brokenness and your weeping and I, we begin to join together as a body and you don't feel like you have anything to give and you almost died two weeks ago and you were like, man, I have, I'm uninspired. And then the other person's flamed on because they just got rescued. And one person's laying down their meth and the other person just came out of the strip club. And all of a sudden, all of us together when God's presence shows up, because we're all worshiping, God builds a throne. He builds something that is sustainable for a lifetime because you encountered him. And that's why God says, always, worship me and praise me. It doesn't matter what you're facing or what you're going through. There's never a time not to worship and praise ever. Now he takes brokenness and weeping and he doesn't want you to fake it. But I worship because I'm more desperate, not because I have it all figured out. I worship many times because I don't feel like it. I already know. I'm, this is my first rodeo. I figured this out. I got, if you want a formula, I'll give it to you. When you don't feel like worshiping, worship. When you don't feel like showing up, show up. When you don't feel like pressing into God, press in. When you feel like you're a failure, see the report card with an A. Right. 
teach you something about another one. I have a lot of favorite scriptures, by the way, tons. This is one of them, Psalm 212. In Psalm 212, it says, kiss the son lest he be angry with you and you perish in your way. I'm gonna give you a really good breakdown of this verse, Psalm 212. What does this mean? For a long time, I didn't really understand. You know, because in my natural mind, I'm like, wait a minute. So if I don't kiss the, if I don't kiss the son, he's going to be mad at me? Huh? Didn't really understand it, so I'm going to break it down for you. The word kiss is the word nashak, N-A-S-H-A-Q. That word means to kiss. But it also means to be arrayed with battle splendor. It means that when I kiss God and I entwine myself or I even reach out to kiss him, he does something to me. Something happens to me when I don't feel like it. Maybe I don't want to do it. Love is a verb. It means that I begin to be equipped with the tools I need to handle the situation in front of me. Because somebody like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I got a great, oh man, I'm going to give you the best counsel. You don't have to pay me for this. Get your hands up. This is a Holy Ghost stick up. You need to worship. Because something happens when you lift your hands up, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And then suddenly, as I lift my hands up and begin to turn my face and my gaze to him, he begins to do something inside of me. He arrays me for battle. Now check this out. The root word of the word nashak, take the H out, is nasak. That word means it's the exact Hebrew word to burn and be enkindled with fire and to flame on. Let me put it into context with you. And if you got kids in here, I'll try to keep a PG. When I start kissing my wife, it's not every time, but I'm going to tell you, there's something about a kiss. No, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to make it weird. I'm just saying to you, I don't know why God died, tied the tongue to another part of my body, but he did. And that's why I tell the singles, you better keep your tongues in your mouth. I'm telling you right now, one makeout session in the wrong place at the right time, and it's over, and you just threw away purity, virginity, and everything you worked so hard for. You need to be very careful. Makeout sessions and kissing, trust me, we know firsthand. It's okay. I mean, we're a family. The point is, is think about this. When you start kissing, the fire starts burning. Is anybody with me, what I'm saying today? I know you all are just shocked. I, you're, all your minds went a whole nother direction. But let's bring it back home right now. And I know some of you are like, I can't wait to kiss my wife tonight. Let's go get an Americano and get home. Wow, my message went another direction. But it's a healthy marriage, that's right. But, but this is the thing. When you worship the Lord and kiss the sun, he burns, he reignites the fire 
And then battle, think about it. It's the spirit of reproduction. Because if my heart's flamed on and I'm passionate for him, I'll be passionate for you, but not in a weird sexual way. This is where prophets and seers and people can get seductive if they're not living in in the context of fivefold and family. But I'm saying to you, this isn't seductive. I don't want to get with you. I want you to get with who I'm getting with. I've never said it that way before, but now, now you're seeing what I'm saying. I got a lover you need to get with, and it's not my wife. None of this happened in the first service. I don't know what y'all have done to me right now. I have so come alive all of a sudden. Because see, think about this for a minute. If I'm not kissing him, I'm kissing somebody else. The deeper rooted issue is that I'm self-serving. If it's not about him, it's about me. That's idolatry. Oh, you may not have a Buddha or a totem pole, or you may not have a a false God in your house. You become the idol. Perish in the way. Because it's self-idolatry. That's why he says, stay entwined to me. King David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Psalm 40. I, the word wait patiently is, and same with Isaiah. I said it, Isaiah said it as well. Those who wait upon the Lord, it means I entwine like a bread pie. It means I hook up to him. And I've learned hook up to him, especially when I feel unhooked, uninspired, especially when I have no winds of inspiration and all the world around me seems to be crumbling. I've learned this lesson for 28 years. It took me a long time, but I learned to not be moved by the lies of the report card or the lies of even my actions or the failures and mistakes that would try to keep me down and in shame. Instead, I learned pick yourself up and run to the Lord. Run to him. Put your headphones on. Get your worship on. Get in your shower. Go for a drive. Go for a walk run to the church, run to the altar in worship and go after him with all of your might and everything in you. He's your only hope. You don't have anybody else. David said, who do I have on earth? Who do I have in heaven? There's nobody. I love her, but I love Jesus more. I love my kids, but I love Jesus more. The minute I make it all about her, I make it all about my kids is the minute I get angry and mad and frustrated because they didn't do what I thought they should do. And now my world is entwined with them before him. God wants me entwined with her and my kids, but he wants me first entwined with him so that I can be good for her. So I could do good for her and my kids. We perish in the way when you're not kissing on the sun. Does you understand the concept now? That's why worship is so important. Even if the worship's not your style. Even if it's bad. Sometimes it's bad. It's too loud. Too long. It's not the song I like. Too slow. It's too fast. I'm distracted by that crazy teenager dancing over there. I'm not. I'm using these as examples of what keeps people back. I get excited by dancing yeah, teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then I say, you're going to push me till I hurt myself. 
I do not. My knee. My back. My neck. It's comical. <laughs> Mary had the transcendent spirit of God come on her. I want to be like Mary. I need a Mary encounter. I need to be overshadowed. And I need to be impregnated with the vision and presence of God. I need encounters with the Lord. Peter had a transcendent experience while preaching at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. I wanted to read the whole chapter to you today, but you can go read it yourself. It's an incredible, incredible picture of God's transcendence. Peter Cornelius, who leads an Italian regiment for the Roman authority, is loved God and took care of the poor and gave alms. And one day an angel appears to him and basically says, go get Peter. And so he sends a delegation to bring Peter over. He's not really 100% sure why. Peter's not really 100% sure why. Peter in the afternoon is on top of a house in Jaffa and he's praying to God and he goes into a trance. I mean, you can't take trances out of the Bible. We need some trances in our lives. But if you don't get on top of the house and get into prayer, you can't have those trances. So, oh man, I don't want to go in trance. You, some of us need to get out of our mind. The apostle Paul said, if I'm out of my mind, it's for my good. Be a fool, get messed up. God doesn't want dignity. He wants you messed up, un, be more undignified. And so Peter goes into a trance and a sheet's rolled down from heaven. And on the sheet are all these good animals and bad animals, unclean animals, clean and unclean. And God says to Peter, slaughter and eat. And Peter's like, no way. That's unclean. I've never eaten any unclean thing. And he says, don't call anything. See, what you see and what God sees are two different things. You see an animal. You see a snake. You see a viper. You see a witch. God sees someone he wants to save. He says, don't call anything uncommon that I have called common or clean. And then suddenly, a knock on the door. Cornelius sent a delegation. A few guys come get him. And so Peter goes. He doesn't know why he's there. He's like, I shouldn't even be here. I've never even stepped into a Gentile's. It's forbidden for me to step into your house. It's forbidden for me to go into that den of wickedness and liars and thieves that don't have the promise that you do. And then Cornelius tells the story. And Peter goes, ah, man, I see it now. That vision of those animals is y'all. So I'm going to slay you and eat you with the gospel. I'm going to bring the life of Christ. And he starts preaching the gospel. And you know what happens in Acts chapter 10? While he's talking, the transcendent presence of God 
comes on the people. And you know what they started doing? God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. You're real. You really exist. God, I'm so sorry. You're so kind and loving. That's what it says. They prayed in tongues and magnified God. And the religious people that were there that were of the law were like, this is God. Because if it's happening to them, we know it's real. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself, it profits everybody. And I'll leave you with this last thing. First Samuel 10, 6 and 7. All these things I'm reading you, God's had me or telling you I've been reading nonstop. I love this little passage of scripture. This is when Saul, here's the context. Israel says, give, me, give us a king. Samuel's ticked off. God says, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. But I, nevertheless, I'm going to raise him up a king. And by the way, this king, he's going to use you, abuse you, and take from you. Ever feel that way, even in our own nation? And so what happens? This chapter, Saul's dad loses his donkeys. I mean, I'm understanding donkeys more. They're stubborn. They go their own way. They just take off out the gate, and they, can, they look all day and can't find the donkeys. And then one, then the servant, uh, one of Saul's friends who he's with, or the servant there with him, says, "Hey, uh, I I heard if we go to the seer, he can tell us everything we need to know. He'll tell us where our donkeys are." But see, the day before, God already spoke in the ear to the prophet and said, "I'm tomorrow, the king of Israel is going to show up. I want you to anoint him." And it was Saul. He's looking for his donkeys. And so Saul and the friend goes and finds the seer. And then he sits him at the banquet table, gives him the best food, and because he knew this is the guy. This is going to be the first king of Israel. Best table. And then the next day, he speaks to him directly and sends him on his way. And he tells him, look, when you go, you're going to find prophetic musicians coming down from the mountain, coming down from the sacrifice. Let's pull the scripture back up then the spirit of the Lord's going to come on you and you're going to prophesy. What happens when the spirit of the Lord comes on you? You say things, do things in act ways maybe you never thought you would. You got to get out of your staunch past religious positions that says, I will never. In fact, I double dog dare you to say, I will never. The minute you say, I will never is the minute God's going to do it. And you will prophesy and what will happen to you? I need to be turned into another man. And then look at the next verse. And let it be when the signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God's with you. That's why I say, if God's telling you to say something or do something and it's the Lord, come up here and tell us. I don't care. I'll stop. But don't get up here and take the mic for 10 minutes and give me your own selfish. This isn't your moment to bring your personal preaching message. If it's an oracle from God, release it. If it's anointed by God, do it. If you got a psalm, a hymn, a song, bring it. Come and talk to one of the leaders first. And I'll decide if it fits and I'll, I'll make sure it's the Lord. And sometimes it may be the Lord to you and it may not be the Lord to me. And maybe it's for another time. But the point is, is do as the occasion demands. Right. You say, man, I'm never, I don't believe in all that tongue stuff. That's only a gift for some and not for others. That's an ungodly belief. Right. Everybody should pray in tongues. I'll say it for the video. Everybody should pray in tongues. 
It's not for some and not for others. It's for everyone. And God wants all of us to pray in the spirit because it does something to us. The list goes on of God showing up. I'll tell you this quick dream. I had a dream two mornings ago. I told Amber, I woke up in the morning. Right before I woke up, I had this dream. In the dream, I was standing in front of this church and y'all and many others. It was completely full. And I could see rays of light in angles, right? Like coming out of a prism. Or the best way I could describe it is when there's clouds over the bay and you're driving over the bridge and you see the rays of light shining on the, glistening on the water. And I wasn't really preaching. I, I, don't, I wasn't actually really even saying anything. But it was as if I was making room for the Lord to do what he wanted to do. And people in the congregation were getting ignited and lit up and they would stand up and shout out and start trembling, quaking, and then they'd run out the back doors but they weren't running out the back door out of fear and terror. They would go out the door and they'd fall on the ground on a lawn that was outside. And so I went outside to see and the lawn was on a college campus. And people were slayed out everywhere. Students were walking by and they were trembling. I mean, electrified by God. It was God, not demonic. They were electrified on the ground and people were slain out. And I saw other pastors of the city laying hands on their own people. I recognized some people that go to other churches. They're praying for them. And then I heard God say, if you'll make a space, I'll do what I do best. If you'll make room, just make the room, just welcome me. That was what Amy Simple McPherson and Catherine Coleman, they welcomed the Holy Spirit to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. That's what I really want. And it's not going to seem normal to the world because people shouting and shaking and trembling, praying in tongues and prophesying and laid out on the ground. And it's, it's not normal to the way most all of us were raised. It doesn't mean that has to happen full time. All the time you need it all. You need a holistic church. You need the preaching of the word. You need the teaching of the word. You need the prophesying of the word. You need the sending. You need the building. You need the evangelist. You need all of the gifts of the spirit. You need hospitality. You need good sound. You need worshipers. You need ushers. You need greeters. But you need to make, it's all designed to make the space so that the people that walk in this house get electrified by the presence of God. <laughs> we need God to show up. You need God to show up. 1 Corinthians 8, chapter one through three, or verses one through three. Concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Knowledge without love is only information that makes you arrogant. You think you know, but you don't. You're fake woke. You don't really know but you think you do. But God is so much deeper and wider than anything you could ever imagine. His love, his perfect love for you is a hundred times deeper than what you've ever seen or known. He's constantly pursuing hundreds of times a day. And yet we see him maybe once if that, maybe once or twice a week. Only love builds. And when God shows up, you're gonna know how much he really loves you. We need God to show up.
when you got to show up. You need God to show up. Either we believe it or we don't. And the truth is, is I'll bet you about half this church or more doesn't probably really believe it. But one moment, one breath, one touch. I don't have to do it. I'm not God. I just have to make the room and you have to say yes. You, should, you know what? You already said yes. Because I already know what it took to walk in those doors today. I know what it takes to stay here in this kind of message. I've watched t- tons of people leave, but I've watched more people stay. Because we all want God to show up. I don't have any pressure for God to show up. In fact, I don't even know if I believe it half the time that he's going to show up. And then he shows up. (laughs) The minute you think you have it figured out, you got the formula and you got the plan and I got the five steps to make God show up is the minute he doesn't show up. But the minute you stay broken and you just say, God, I need you desperate and I'm desperate and I'm desperate and you love me and you love me and you love me. And I may not know much more than that, but God, I need you to show up. And God shows up. Come up here on the keys. Yeah. We're going to ask God to show up. If you got to go and grab your kids, you're going to actually, those of you that have kids are going to have to get your kids here in a minute. But we're going to, we're going to wait on God. Now God can show up while you're doing dishes. Don't, don't fall prey to the deceptive lie. God's only here. You know what? In fact, God often shows up when I'm doing the things I really don't want to do. And I'm like, man, God, I don't want to do this. And God comes. Life is filled with things you don't want to do. I'm sure, in fact, I know for a fact, Jesus had a moment of not wanting to go to the cross. God, he literally bled blood to not go to that cross in tears. But he said, it's not my will. It's not about you. But he loves you. He'll make, he made it about you when he died on the cross. But the bigger point is, is that my life is not my own now. It's not what I, God, it's not about me getting to choose it my way. It's about me choosing it his way. His way is the best way. I don't want to perish in the way. So I'm going to. God, I just, I need you. I'm so desperate for you, God. Please, Lord. Please, God. You're the only thing I desire. Oh, man. Sing over us for a moment, Chris. Just close your eyes. You can stand. You can sit. You're going to have to go. I'm going to pray for you and go get your kids. And you can come bring them back or you can go. But I'm telling you, the Lord is here. And he's going to go with you if you got to go. There's no guilt thing here. God is omnipresent. You just need a transcendent touch. So I just thank you, God, for this church. I thank you, Lord. For this city, Lord, I thank you, God, that when I didn't want to come and when we didn't even want to start the church 
to begin with, when we could have taken the easy way, Lord, when I could have said no and stayed in Tulsa and stayed in a comfortable life, Lord, you called me out. And just like you called out Abraham, Lord, just like you called out Jacob, and when he made his bed on a rock, you shut up. Lord, for the desperate and the hurting and those that are far from you, Lord. Those that are depressed, Lord. That don't really know you. We need you to show up, God. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.